Is there anybody here today that would say, I am excited to be uncomfortable? I like being uncomfortable in front of others. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand right where you're at. All right, we've got, yes. First hour, nobody. That's awesome. Most of us, though, didn't even think about standing up because the idea of being uncomfortable around other people, like we just, that's the whole idea of being uncomfortable, right? We don't enjoy that. We don't like that. If you're a student in school and the teacher says, who would like to come up and answer this question? You're not the first to go, ooh, I want to be the one to do this, right? It's uncomfortable. We don't enjoy that. If you're at an event, and I've been to several events, where whoever's on the platform says, I'd like to have a volunteer, right? You're like glued to your seat. And oftentimes, and my wife will tell you, I'm chosen. And if that's the case, I assume that that's God's will that I be embarrassed in front of people. But most of the time, I just put my head down and hope that I'm not chosen. Because I don't know what I'm getting into and I don't wanna know what Snapchat or YouTube video I'm gonna wind up on, right? We're uncomfortable with those kind of things. We don't like to stand out. If you're single, you probably get invited out at times with different couples or whatever, and you know, they're your friends and you enjoy that, but you know, you, you just, you're a little uncomfortable because everybody else is with somebody and you're not. And it's just uncomfortable, so you might pass on those opportunities. Not because they're not your friends, but there's just that level of anxiety, that uncomfortableness. You don't like that. Well, that's true. Because when we're uncomfortable, when we're standing out for something and people are looking at us, we kind of feel a little bit judged. Maybe, if you will, allow me to say, it's kind of like suffering for a period of time. It's not great suffering, but it's like suffering a little bit. And so I I want us to think about this statement. The boldness to stand out is only as great as your willingness to suffer. There's at least two people here who are willing to suffer, who are willing to be a little bit uncomfortable. But for most of us, We don't really enjoy this idea of suffering or willing to suffer or willing to be pointed at or willing to stand out, and so we don't enjoy that. And so we don't consider ourselves very bold or very risky. This is not only true in our culture, but it's true in the church, in the church culture as well. I remember when uh, I was at my last church, it was a college church, and so the students would show up at the beginning of the year. And... Uh, They came from different backgrounds all over the United States. And so our very first Sunday, we'd have some very charismatic Pentecostal background coming into our church, which was a college university church, a little bit kind of straight-laced, if you will. And so these students would come in, and the first week, there'd be about 10% of them, they'd have their hands raised, they'd be shouting hallelujah during the sermon. Okay, nobody here. Um, But it was that type, you know, they came in with that attitude because that was their background, and they were excited about worshiping. But the first week, they would shout, and then they'd look around the room and realize they were the only one shouting. And so the second week, it got a little bit quieter. And we would actually monitor this, a couple of us. We'd watch, and it'd take about three weeks for students to go from here to here to here (laughs) in worship, because the prevailing culture was one of quiet reserve, and they stood out. And it wasn't like they didn't love Jesus, but they didn't want to be uncomfortable to be the only ones. Isn't that true? There's something about that, that when we're around other people that make us feel uncomfortable, we're not willing to be bold or to stand out. 
And don't you wonder what it was like for the early church to stand out for this person of Jesus? I mean, it was a new God in the Roman Empire. They were following a new pattern of faith. It was a new religion, if you will. Can you imagine how difficult it was to stand up and to be bold for this person of Jesus when nobody else knew who you were talking about? When Peter writes to this church in 1 Peter, he writes to a group of people who are struggling, who are wrestling with this idea that they might be picked on, they might be chosen to be abused, to be ridiculed because they stood out in society for having this faith called Christianity. They followed this person named Jesus, and it made them uncomfortable. I imagine there were times when they just weren't sure whether or not they should follow this Jesus because they knew that suffering would, in fact, take place. Now, I know that like the early church, some of you are willing to be bold in your faith, and you put the fish sticker on the back of your car because you want people to know You're a follower of Jesus. Maybe in the workplace you have the painting on the wall of a beautiful mountain and and on there is Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him who bring good news. You're like, oh, I'm so bold in my faith. I'm pretty sure. No, I am sure. That Jesus didn't suffer and die and pay the price for your sins and mine so that we could be comfortably subtle about our faith. Let me say it again. I'm sure that Jesus didn't suffer, pay the price on the cross for our sins so that we could be comfortably subtle about our faith and our belief in him. He has transformed our lives, given us a new life and a new hope for eternity. And yet, many of us struggle with being uncomfortable around others in our culture living out our faith. That was the early church. They struggled with this idea, being monotheistic in a polytheistic culture, following one God among many gods. They would stand out by serving the poor and the vulnerable when culture was all about celebrating the courageous and the strong. They would kill children who were disabled, who were mentally challenged because they weren't perfect. They discarded them as though they were trash. And yet it was the Christians, it was the church that said, no, every person is valuable in the eyes of Jesus. And it kind of rubbed against the culture. They stood out. They began to love others who were unloved and to live for a kingdom that was not the Roman Empire. Give to God what is God's and give to Caesar what is Caesar's. That was Jesus' quote. They lived it out, and they were ridiculed for it. They were punished for it. They were abused for it. Now, the persecution that took place early on when Peter is writing this is not persecution that came from the government on down. There wasn't some edict in Rome that said, hey, Christianity is illegal. Now, that might be true in some nations around our world today. That was not the case back then. It was this new kind of upstart of people who were living differently with a different faith. And so the persecution that was taking place was not from the top down. 
It was from those they lived around. It was their coworkers, their neighbors, their family, their friends. It was people that they lived around because they didn't understand this new way of living. And so the suffering and the persecution came from just incidents and things that happened in local areas. The Apostle Paul in Ephesus, he heals people and he preaches the gospel and people are getting saved. And because of that, idol makers were losing money because people didn't want to buy idols anymore. They were worshiping Jesus. They stirred things up and Paul was beaten. It wasn't from the government on down. It was, it was the people in the community that were causing this suffering, this persecution to take place. So when Paul and Peter were both killed in Rome, some say on the same day, likely very short period, like within two weeks or a month of each other in Rome, it was because a fire had taken place in Rome. And Nero, wanting to blame the Christian God, for, for this fire, not that Jesus caused it, but that the Roman gods were angry because of this Christianity and this new faith. He kind of spread the word and people quickly caught on that they didn't like Christianity. They blamed Christians for the fire in Rome. Again, it wasn't some order from the top down. It was something that came from the people themselves, from the culture, because Christians made them feel uncomfortable. They didn't want people standing up for these things. So Peter is writing to this church and he knows what is coming, not only for him, but he wants to prepare them for the suffering that they're gonna have because they're willing to stand up for Jesus. And so here's the point this morning. If you don't get anything else, I hope you get this. The boldness to live for Jesus is only as great as your willingness to suffer for him. The boldness to live out your life and faith for Jesus is only as great as your willingness to suffer, to stand up, to be uncomfortable for Christ. There is something about the two that go hand in hand. And Peter takes us there in chapter four of 1 Peter. He says, therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude because whoever suffers in this body, in the body, is done with sin. Now, this idea of suffered in his body, the word suffered is where we get our word passion. It, it, you know, we talk about people who have passion. It drives them. There's something, there's a type of suffering that comes from having passion. It's why we refer to the crucifixion as the passion of Christ. He suffered but he suffered in the flesh, in his body. It wasn't just an emotional suffering. It's not that he just had a really bad day. Jesus took on physical suffering on our behalf. And Peter is letting the church know that there may come a time when they too will physically suffer in the flesh, in the body. And he says, I wanna arm you, take up arms, to have the same attitude of Christ that the gospel, that what Jesus is doing, the good news that is coming into the world, the hope that we have for all eternity, it's worth it. Be willing to suffer. And he goes on to say, whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. There's a couple of different ways theologians take this, commentators take this. One is, if you're dead, you don't have to worry about sin anymore. So if you suffer in the body like Christ did, 
well, then there's no more sin. You don't have to worry about sin anymore. The other is, in these days, for Peter, people were persecuted. They would be physically beaten. They would be scarred by being whipped or stoned, or they would lose limbs because of their faith in Jesus. If you're willing to go that far, you're not just going around sinning. You take life seriously. You take faith seriously. There is something that happens when you are physically willing to suffer that you go, I don't need to bother with sin anymore. If I'm willing to pay the price, I don't need to fall into temptation. It wasn't something they took casually. But watch how he ties in this idea of suffering and life. He says, as a result, people who are willing to pay the price, people who are willing to suffer for Christ, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for human desires, but rather for the will of God. There is something that has changed in them. There is a boldness when it comes to those who are willing to suffer for Christ. They live for the will of God. The boldness to live for Jesus is only as great as your willingness to suffer for him. Now Peter continues in this passage. In verse three, he says, for you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, that is the culture around you. He says, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. Three of these are things you can do privately. Three are public or community sins, if you will. Peter says, you lived your life like the rest of culture. You did what you wanted to do privately. You did what you wanted to do publicly. You just went with the flow of the culture. And this is the way they live in sin. Now, a Christian no longer falls into this, Peter says. A Christian no longer bothers with these things. These are the sins that we are done with because we are willing to suffer for Christ and we are willing to live our lives differently. Then he says, and they are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living. And they heap abuse on you, but they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Who's they? It's not the government. It's the people they live around. It's their family. It's their spouse. It's their children. It's their parents. It's coworkers. It's neighbors. It's the employer. They are the people that are closest to them. And isn't that true? When you and I stand up for our faith, it's not like we get arrested for sharing our faith in Christ, right? No one's gonna call the cops on us because we're sitting at a restaurant having a cup of coffee and we share about our faith in Jesus. That doesn't happen. What does happen is the person we're sitting across from makes fun of us. We get ridiculed. Our family no longer wants to hang out with us. They're frustrated because Sunday mornings when they wanna get together with us it becomes complicated because, oh, you're going to church. You're one of those. Who's they? It's the people we're closest to. Peter would say, they're gonna be judged. They're gonna have to give an account by the way they live and we're gonna have to give an account on the way we live. Will we just go with the flow? Will we fall back into the culture? 
mingling with the culture, playing it safe and being comfortably subtle about our faith, or will we be bold enough to stand up for Christ? Are you willing to suffer from those you are closest to? Are you willing to stand up to your friends and to your coworkers? Are you willing to even experience loss in relationships for the sake of living your life for Jesus? BBC had an article this week, a story about an internet site and a gentleman who is trying to help Muslims who are leaving the faith, leaving Islam, and trying to seek asylum in Europe, primarily from Saudi Arabia and other Islamic countries that have laws um, or, or people are being persecuted. So they're seeking asylum in Europe because they say they're being persecuted. The problem is, is in Saudi Arabia, there is, the government has a statement that says we allow for different religions. And so because of that, it's difficult to seek asylum because the government says, oh, we're open to other religions. But the culture and the community, the people, are not. And like the early church, it's family, it's friends, it's coworkers who are causing them to be fired, to move out of neighborhoods, to be beaten, some to be killed because of their faith. It's not some law. It's the people around them that are causing them to seek asylum because their faith is different. They follow a different Lord. Boy, that's a lot like the early church. You and I do not have to suffer to that extreme But isn't it the most uncomfortable when it's those around us who are closest to us that cause us to not be bold in our faith? We're worried about what they think, what they're going to say, or how it's going to change our relationship. The boldness to live for Jesus is only as great as your willingness to suffer on his behalf. What is greater, our own comfort or the Great Commission? To go and to make disciples. Skipping ahead, Peter tells us what it looks like to be bold. He says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. So that when we share, we share the word of God, we talk about the word of God, we speak as though we understand the word of God. We speak on behalf of Christ. That's bold. How many of us speak as though we are carrying the weight of the word of God when we're having conversations about Jesus? If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. God has given us gifts. He's given us abilities. He's given us talents. He's given us a mind to use for him. Are we using those with his strength? Are we seeking out our gifts and finding ways to serve in the kingdom and giving ourselves sacrificially to make that happen. Peter calls us to live a different way, to speak the very words of God, to go with the very strength of God. He says, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. It is God that gets the credit. It's God's name that is lifted up in our culture and in our community. When you and I suffer, his name gets lifted up. When you and I are uncomfortable, his name gets lifted up. People begin to talk about our faith and our Christianity and how we're living our lives. It makes them uncomfortable. But the name of Jesus keeps coming up 
And God keeps getting praised by the way we live out our lives boldly. Peter calls the followers of Jesus Christ to speak up and to serve with the very power of God. The boldness to live for Jesus is only as great as your willingness to suffer for him. Wow. Several years ago, I sat in a gathering much like this in a setting, listening to uh, one of America's renowned theologians, Stanley Hauerwas. Um, And I didn't hear much of what he was saying that day. And to be honest with you, a lot of his talking was a little over my head. So I'm not, you know, a theologian necessarily by trade, and so he was using big words is what I'm saying. (laughs) But there was one thing that he said that caught me and has stuck with me, and I think is relevant to this passage. At one point, he said, Christianity should be a lot more like the homosexual community. Well, that caught my attention. Where is he going with this? He said that according to a Gallup poll in 2012, 1.7% of Americans identify as being homosexual. And yet, their willingness to stand up, to be bold, to suffer in communities, and even at higher levels, to lose jobs, to lose their place, to lose respect in the community, is so great that communities have changed, laws have changed. We even have the month of June that is Pride Month where companies support the homosexual community. And those companies that don't are often ridiculed, mocked, made fun of because they are willing to stand up for what they believe. In 2015, a Gallup poll was done where 75% of Americans identified as being Christian. 75%. But you know as well as I do that the impact that Christianity is presently having in our culture is nowhere near the impact of the homosexual community. We're living nominal Christian lives We're comfortable fitting in, not standing out, not causing problems. We like it this way. And a nominal follower of Jesus makes a nominal difference in the world. But someone who is bold in living for Christ makes a world of difference in the lives of others around us, in our communities, in our nation, in our world. Peter is saying, listen, you got to be willing to suffer for Christ because the gospel is worth it. What you might suffer in this life pales in comparison to the gift and the blessing of the next one. And there are Christians all over the world and nations that are being persecuted where it is illegal to follow Christ and they are willing to put their lives on the line because they believe it's worth it. Church, we're in a comfortable society it's so easy to say we're Christians, but we're too scared to be bold and to stand up for Christ. What would happen, church, if we were all willing to be bold and to suffer for the sake of Christ? How his name would be lifted up in our world. How his name would change our culture 
change our world. Are you suffering financially? Are you, are you suffering right now financially because you've given so much money away to the church and to the kingdom, to those parachurch organizations? Do you guys have to sit down uh, at the table and get out your checkbook and go, I don't know how we're gonna pay rent this week. We gave so much away to the church. I'm guessing you're not suffering at that level, right? Are you suffering in your relationships because you're making church a priority? I'm sorry we can't get together with you. We worship together with our friends and with our family on Sunday mornings. We're a part of the body of Christ, the family of God. That's important to us. And so your relationships, are you suffering because they struggle? Do your weeknights, are you suffering in your weeknights because you're going out of your way to make Christian community a priority where you gather together with your growth group, where you're having to find sitters for the kids or go out of your way to get out of work early or do what you have to do in order to make that a priority? Are you suffering at that level? Does your screen time suffer because you're spending time in the word of God and in prayer? Facebook, television, that's suffering for you. You're not getting all your shows in because you're spending so much time. I'm guessing, church, that none of us are suffering even at that level. What does that say about our boldness to live? If it's only as great as our willingness to suffer, we're doing a poor job. So what do we do? Well, we step up. If you're a new believer, if you have just come to faith in Christ, maybe you've been saved for a little while, but you've never been baptized. You know what baptism is? It's a public declaration to say, Jesus Christ has transformed my life. Sin is gone, right? I'm dead to sin, I am alive in Christ. God has made me new, I live my life differently, I publicly declare that so that the world might know and keep an eye on me that I am going to live for Jesus. That's what baptism is all about. If you haven't been baptized, maybe your next step, the boldness is to say, I'm gonna declare to everyone I know that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Sign up online, get baptized. For some of you, it means making significant changes in your weekly schedule, making community worship a priority. We make sure that our time together in worship as a church, this is important to us. It's a part of what it means to be a follower. We need that time together. I'm gonna make that a priority, even if others around me don't understand that. That's a part of being bold for Christ. Maybe it's the growth groups, making sure that you're in one, that you're, that you're working together with others and you're talking about those struggles and what you're going through. And yes, it is difficult. It's uncomfortable to make those arrangements. But are we willing to do that for the sake of the gospel? For some of you, it's changing your routine in your time of word or time of prayer. For some of you, it's finding your gift and serving the way that God has gifted you to serve. Right now, you're just going through life comfortably and you're allowing, you're comfortable allowing other people to serve you and to serve the church Maybe it's time for you to step up and to say, I'm willing to live for Christ and use my gifts for the kingdom. For others, it might be speaking up, 
with the very words of God. When you see injustice happening or when you see someone that you have a relationship with to say, I'm not sure that I believe that. I believe something else. I follow Christ and here's what that looks like for me. Being bold enough to share your faith in Christ and what Christ has done for you. For others, it might be that financial peace. Saying, you know what? God's given me all of this. I'm not suffering financially for the kingdom. How am I giving to God's work locally and globally? What am I doing that God's work can continue, that his name might be lifted up around the world? I don't know what that next step is for you, but I believe that not one of us in this room is at a point where we are like Peter, willing to suffer and to give everything. I'm asking you, what is one area, one step that you can make to say, I'm going to live boldly for Christ because it's worth it. Living for him is worth dying for him, and I'm going to live that way. And so in just a moment, I'm going to ask you the same question I did at the beginning of the message. I'm going to ask you if you're willing to be uncomfortable in our culture and to stand up. But this time, I want you to think about this. Are you willing to stand up for Christ? Is there an area in your life that you know you've been living nominally? And maybe God this morning is saying, I want you to be uncomfortable in this area and to make a change. If you don't stand, I don't want you to feel uncomfortable being sitting. I want you to take this seriously because I'm not going to judge. You'll be judged by how you live this out. That's what Peter says. But if you're willing this morning to say, I'm willing to take a step to live more boldly for Christ, I see some of you already standing. I'm just going to ask you to stand. If that's you this morning, if you're willing to live this out, would you just stand as a declaration, not before me or others around you, but before God himself. And let me pray over us. God, these are your people. This is your church. And this is your message and your gospel that the person of Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, who came, who suffered and died and rose again, that we might have new life. God, Peter calls us to take on the same attitude, to be willing to suffer, and that means being willing to be bold in the way that we live out our lives, our faith. God, for those who are standing this morning, I pray, Lord, that as they leave here today, they would go with boldness, that whatever that next step is that you have called them to, Lord, it would be played out this week and in the weeks to come. Lord, that they would speak out they would speak up. They would serve with the very power of God. Lord, that lives would be transformed because we are willing to stand up and say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, and that means my life looks different than the rest of the culture. So God, bless them, we pray. Protect them from the evil one, we pray. We ask this in the name and in the power of Jesus. Amen.